Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What percentage of overall video game developers have been impacted by layoffs? It's probably higher than you think. For January 19th, 2024, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in just about five minutes. Coming up, we'll give you a rundown of the layoffs this week in the video game industry, find out if 2023 was a better year for video game companies, then we'll check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday replay, and stay tuned to the very end for my conversation with Bloomberg's Cecilia D'Anastasio about her reporting on child safety on Twitch. The Game Developers Conference organizers in Forma revealed their results of their annual GDC survey this week. Informa surveyed more than 3,000 game developers last October on specific topics, which include layoffs, unionization efforts, and how artificial intelligence has affected their jobs. Breaking down the data, 35% of respondents had been impacted by layoffs in some way in the past year. 7% were laid off themselves, 17% saw their colleagues laid off, and 11% were directly affected by layoffs on their own teams. While this survey group seems to be less affected by layoffs, 56% of them were still worried that layoffs would continue into 2024. Unionization favorability seems to be divided by the age of the respondents, with 72% of people between the ages of 18 and 24 in favor of unionization and 75% of people over the age of 65 not in favor of unionization. However, looking at all respondents, 57% of them support unionization, up from last year's 53%. Informa finished off their survey this year with several questions about AI. 
49% of developers reported that they or their colleagues use generative AI tools such as ChatGPT, Adobe Generative Fill, and Copilot to name a few. Despite the usage, though, video game developers seem keyed into the ethical concerns surrounding generative AI, with 42% of respondents being very concerned, another 42% somewhat concerned, and the remaining 16% not concerned at all. Overall, GDC's survey shows that developers are aware of the current issues affecting the video game industry, and it's heartening to see that unionization favorability is increasing, albeit slowly. So why is unionization important? Well, just in the last week alone, a total of eight studios have made significant layoffs. Starting with Embracer Group, who this time targeted Lost Boys Interactive and Piranha Bytes. However, it's unclear how many are impacted at both studios. If you go off of what former staff are reporting on social media, these layoffs are affecting a good portion of these studios. Digital Bros Canadian-based support studio Nesting Games saw 68 people let go, which is approximately 34% of the company if their current 200-person headcount is accurate. Two publishers, PTW and Thunderful, are next, with PTW laying off 45 staff and Thunderful eliminating 20% of its workforce, an estimated 75 people. Finishing out the list, one of Nexon's mobile developers, Pixelberry, is facing cuts across all departments. At this time, it's unclear just how severe these cuts are. Independent developer NetSpeak Games reported eliminating 25 jobs but didn't disclose which departments they were eliminated from. And finally, the eighth studio, independent VR developer Wymo Games, has shut down completely, impacting approximately 20 staff. All eight of these layoffs amount to between 300 and 400 people affected, depending on the severity of the few that we don't have accurate counts for. And like previous layoffs so far this year, most companies are attributing their decision to reduce their workforce to refocusing their business priorities. But let's be real. The real reason is most of these companies overhired during the COVID-19 pandemic, betting big that the uptick in video game spending would plateau. And instead of executives paying the price for failed business decisions, the workers who put the labor in to make these games are the first to be let go. The video game market analysis firm Circana released their full U.S. sales report for 2023 this week. It shows that U.S. video game sales are up 1% year-over-year for 2023, hitting $57.2 billion. Software and subscriptions made up the lion's share of sales at $48 billion. Hardware bought was $6.59 billion, and accessory spending reached $2.6 billion. The five best-selling games in 2023, according to Circana, are Hogwarts Legacy, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Madden NFL 24, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Hogwarts Legacy taking the number one best-selling spot is pretty significant because it's the first time since 2008 that the best-selling game in a year wasn't Call of Duty Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption. However, it's a little unsettling how well Hogwarts Legacy actually sold, proving that the genuine controversies surrounding Hogwarts Legacy were effectively used to market the game. 
Overall, in 2023, software sales continued to rise due to several major releases. So it'll be interesting to see if the video game industry can continue to push software sales in 2024, all while most developers are making deep cuts to labor. It's Friday, and this is normally where we like to check out a podcast review, but we don't have any new ones. Come on, guys. What's the deal? Let us know what you think of the show over on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, and Amazon. We'll read it here on Fridays. So coming up, we've got a special presentation for you. We're going to share my conversation with Bloomberg's Cecilia D'Anastasio about her reporting on child predators on Twitch. But first, with it being Friday, let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday replay. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cost-cutting and downsizing continues in the video game industry with privately owned Discord, eliminating 17% of its workforce over the weekend, impacting a total of 170 people out of the approximate 1,000 that work at Discord. CEO and co-founder of Discord, Jason Citron, issued a memo to staff explaining why the company is severely cutting jobs. Put simply, the issue comes down to Discord's revenue not increasing while it continues to expand its workforce. According to Citron, Discord had increased its headcount by five times since 2020, meaning that Discord grew from a 200-person team to 1,000-person team in the last three years. This is because every tech and gaming company was trying to cash in on the short-lived pandemic boom in both industries. So Citron and the other Discord co-founder Stanislav Vishnevsky are cutting staff despite this being their business decision. However, unlike the other layoff announcements we've covered so far this year, we did get confirmation that the affected staff will be receiving a severance package including five months salary, five months of health care coverage, and three months of outplacement services. Outgoing staff will also have their retirement plans and stock options vested on February 1st, 2024. Overall, the video game industry has laid off around 3,000 people so far this year, forcing the proletariat to shoulder the risks and failures for executives' bad decisions during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
All the way back at the very start of 2022, GameStop announced that they were opening an NFT and crypto marketplace, partnering with two other NFT companies and hiring 20 developers to build the marketplace from the ground up. After four months of development, GameStop finally released the NFT marketplace in May of 2022, despite the crypto and NFT market showing its first sign of cratering. At its launch, GameStop's NFT marketplace was making upwards of twenty dollars to $40,000 a day off of just transaction fees. 2022's crypto market started to waver a bit, but going into 2023, the crypto and NFT market took a sharp nosedive, eating into GameStop's ability to make money off their new marketplace. Which brings us to Monday this week, when GameStop finally announced that they were throwing in the towel. GameStop quietly added a notice to the GameStop GameStop NFT Marketplace website announcing that they were in the process of winding down operations and that the official closing date would be in two weeks on February 2nd. After February 2nd, people won't be able to buy, sell, or create NFTs on GameStop's platform. However, the remaining NFTs will be sellable on other NFT platforms. GameStop attributes the closure of their NFT marketplace to the, quote, continued regulatory uncertainty of the crypto space. However, the real reason is the fall of the crypto market. Ultimately, this was the inevitable outcome for GameStop's venture into the crypto market. But at least the people who bought these NFTs aren't stuck with them? Epic Games' antitrust lawsuit against Apple came to its final conclusion on Wednesday, with the final appeal to the Supreme Court being denied, upholding the lower court's order. Sadly, that means that Apple has essentially won this lawsuit, dodging 9 out of the 10 counts Epic levied against Apple. From now on, Apple has to stop its anti-steering practices that prevent developers from linking directly to alternative payment options. This ruling will now allow developers to circumvent Apple's 30% fee on every transaction within the Apple App Store. In the wake of this appeal being denied, Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney tweeted out, quote, a sad outcome for all developers. This is due to Epic not achieving the entirety of what they were after with this antitrust lawsuit. At the end of this lawsuit, Epic wanted a couple of things from Apple, the freedom to open up their own App Store and use their own billing systems on Apple devices. While Epic did pave the way for developers to use their own billing systems, they failed to open up the App Store market. However, Epic Games is still challenging Apple with other lawsuits in other jurisdictions, attempting to work the same lawsuit through courts in the United Kingdom and Australia. Overall, it's interesting that the Supreme Court denied Epic and Apple's appeals. But given the makeup of the Supreme Court, it was likely that Epic would have lost on everything. So an outright denial to hear the case is kind of the best outcome for Epic. Ubisoft has rebranded its Ubisoft Plus subscription this week to Ubisoft Plus Premium. Ubisoft Plus Premium costs $18 a month and gives you access to Ubisoft's Day One releases, along with a curated catalog of Ubisoft's most recent titles. Ubisoft is also adding the Ubisoft Plus Classics subscription to PC. Ubisoft Plus Classics is an extra $8 a month and gets you access to a curated back catalog of older Ubisoft games 
games, meaning it costs $26 a month to have access to all of Ubisoft's limited selection of games. To announce this rebranding, Ubisoft's director of subscriptions, Philippe Tremblay, sat down with GamesIndustry.biz for an interview. Tremblay spent most of the interview explaining how great the Ubisoft Plus subscriptions are doing for the publisher. However, Tremblay tried to make a convincing argument in favor of the digital distribution of video games, downplaying the significance of physical ownership of games by comparing it to owning CDs or DVDs, given streaming has all but replaced those forms of media. Tremblay further argues that this media transition made consumers, quote, comfortable not owning their CD collection or DVD collection. Tremblay continues to assert that gamers will become more comfortable with not owning their games. This is because gamers will see, quote, that these games will exist, the services will continue, and you'll be able to access them when you feel like, which is already a blatant lie. We've seen several video game services die in the last two decades, and preservation and access to older games is almost non-existent. And there's no guarantee that any of these subscription services will stand the test of time. At the end of the day, this begs the ongoing question, do you truly own your own games? Now, at this point, it should be pretty clear that we don't, and the video game industry wants us to be happy about it. All right, now this would normally be where I wrap up the show, but I wanted to share an interview I did this week with Bloomberg video game reporter Cecilia DiAnastasio. For over a year, she's been investigating how children are being preyed on and abused on Twitch. This is a subject I don't see nearly enough gamers talking about, so I wanted to share it here. I spoke with Cecilia as a part of Culture Shift's One Update on WDET in Detroit. You're listening to the One Update on Culture Shift here on WDET. My name's Nate Bender, so glad to have you along. Joining us now is Cecilia DiAnastasio. She's a video game journalist for Bloomberg and here to talk about a really, really important story in video gaming. Uh, Cecilia, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. So we've been keeping an eye on this issue here at the One Update, and it's it's because it's you know it's something that I don't see enough gamers talking about, and more importantly, I think this is something that parents need to be made aware of. And as your reporting has shown, this is kind of a hidden problem. So how were you first made aware that children were at risk on Twitch? When I first started reporting about child safety on Twitch back in 2020, 2021, it was terrifyingly easy to just discover children live streaming on the app just by myself. Children who said they were as young as eight um, and their profiles would just take their phones and over half of American children over 11 have smartphones and they would go into their room, lie about their age, create a Twitch account and just their video... um, a video of them and their face in their bedroom would just be on the internet for anyone to see. Um, people, you know, journalists like myself and also predators were able to very easily discover these live streams just by searching twitch.tv in certain categories. And as you kind of dug into this issue, 
you know, Twitch has a very basic policy of no one under 13 is supposed to stream without uh, parent parental permission. And how often is a rule like this even being enforced by Twitch? That's a great question. Age verification is notoriously difficult on any app, any gaming platform um, you could possibly think of. And it's something that is increasingly a target of regulation, including in Europe right now with the Digital Safety Act. Um, On Twitch, Twitch has done a better job since our report in trying to enforce their 13 plus policy. But it's also worth noting, Nathan, that, you know, Twitch's Twitch's threshold is is 13, where, you know, TikTok, YouTube, and other competing apps that have live streaming features have much more stringent policies about what age you can live stream at, how many followers you need to have to do a live stream and things along those lines. So let's talk about what the problem actually is. What exactly is happening on Twitch that's putting kids at risk? Yeah, so Twitch is extremely popular with the younger generation of children right now, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, because gaming is increasingly mainstream. And if you pull a lot of these kids today about who their favorite celebrities are and what they want to be when they grow up, it is people who play video games for a living. And um, Twitch is home to that. And Twitch is owned by Amazon and it over the pandemic became enormously popular as people were home under um, lockdown mandates. And what um, kids are drawn to is this, not just watching other people play video games, but also interacting with them, participating in the culture of, of um, a live streaming community through a chat on the side of the screen. Because Twitch is so normalized for a younger generation of kids these days, um, many of them want to find ways to live train themselves. And it's relatively easy for them to do so just by picking up their smartphone, creating an account, and live streaming, even though Twitch has, like I said, made it more difficult for children under 13 to do so. And when a child goes on live stream, they might have the camera pointed toward their face. They might be live streaming from their bedroom. And anyone can just sort of enter that live stream watch them from their homes and communicate with them back and forth over Twitch's chat. And although Twitch has moderators who are looking out for certain um, very obviously abusive um, words and sentences, um, predators have found ways to bypass Twitch's moderation um, in an effort to groom these children. Um, That might include asking them to do a handstand or um, what we found were really explicit acts um, on video on, on the website. So specifically, young streamers are being coerced by individuals in their chat into a number of different potentially explicit acts. Have you found evidence that this is an organized effort to use the platform as a mechanism for exploitation? Certainly, there are predators who are sharing the live streaming accounts of children to each other. What we discovered is that um, there were over 1,000 accounts belonging to people who routinely follow children on the platform, people who appear to be um, very young, not just under 18, but in some cases, uh, they would say they were as young as eight or nine in their profiles. And Um, Of these 1,000 people that we found between October 2020 and August 2022, um, these predators would, you know, discover an average of 673 children live streaming on Twitch every day. 
Um, in total, this data set, they targeted 297,000 children. And that is a huge number. Um, and I have to say alleged children because we were not able to verify their ages ourselves. These were people who appeared to be very young um, and uh, again, targeted by people who were who were looking for them and found them very easily on Twitch. You're listening to the one update here on Culture Shift on WDET. We're currently speaking with uh, video game journalist from Bloomberg, Cecilia Dianastasio, about her reporting on uh, child predation that's happening on Twitch. And Twitch has been pretty quick to, you know, publicly respond to the issue. But what actual steps, what actual actions has Twitch or Amazon taken to better protect kids on the platform? That's a great question. So since I report Twitch's crackdown um, on accounts that seem to belong to people who are under 13, so that means um, increasingly challenging age verification tools. Um, in addition, you know, Twitch has made it harder to create multiple accounts if you've been banned before for being underage. At the same time, you know, Twitch has undergone layoffs, multiple rounds of layoffs over the past couple of years. In April 2023, Twitch laid off 15% of their trust and safety team, um, which, you know, was known for dealing with issues like this. And while, you know, Twitch has moved to outsource some of that moderation, it's not that it completely went away. Twitch's growth, as well as um, their stretched moderation resources, means that this is a particularly challenging issue for them to address. And Worse, you know, there are moderation problems that are integral to Twitch. So if you are somebody who works in trust and safety at YouTube, in order to see if somebody has posted abusive content, you can compare a recorded video to other recorded videos that have already been registered in databases by trust and safety professionals, government agencies, uh, nonprofits, et cetera. But for Twitch, because the content is live, emergent, new, never before seen, it's very challenging for um, a company to compare that to anything um, in any of these databases. And for, for reasons like that, it is um, something that agencies are paying more and more attention to, how exactly to ascertain um, and take down abuse on, on these live streaming platforms. So you recently published a follow-up piece with Bloomberg that looks at the way that Twitch clips are being used to potentially distribute this material and that some of these videos have been viewed hundreds, if not thousands of times. You know, that has some really deeply concerning implications. What did your investigation find is happening with Twitch clips? Yes. So we published an analysis recently of nearly 1,100 clips. Um, that is a recording of a live stream or a small segment of a live stream that a fan has kind of just popped out to maybe view later. Um, we sent these clips to um, Canada's uh, Center for Child Protection, which graciously reviewed the material and found that at least 83 of the short videos contained sexualized content involving children. There were 34 that were particularly egregious um, that depicted young users, primarily young boys between 5 and 12 undergoing abuse, often at the behest of viewers who were encouraging them. Wow, this is uh, in incredibly disturbing. The numbers are are also something that I think is uh, is is really really concerning. But something that I wanted to 
to clarify is that a clip is something that's done by someone who's viewing the stream, not by the streamer themselves. So there's a little bit of almost voyeurism that comes along with these clips. That's incredibly disturbing. Has Twitch responded to this in any way? Twitch did respond to the report. They removed many of the clips that we identified as being abusive um, shortly afterward. They said there's no tolerance for this kind of content on the platform and that they're going to do their best to ensure that it doesn't occur in the future. It is challenging for Twitch because... You know, Twitch focuses its moderation efforts on the initial live streams where um, people view the content as it's happening. Uh, that's the draw of the platform versus a YouTube, a Vimeo, some other video platform. Um, and that means that, you know, because it's being moderated live, there isn't quite as much attention being paid to moderating these clips that come from the live streams, um, which is part of why they were falling sort of off the radar. You're listening to the one update on Culture Shift here on WDET. And we're speaking with Cecilia D'Anastasio, a video game journalist for Bloomberg. And Cecilia, you mentioned just a moment ago uh, that back in April of 2023, Twitch laid off around 15 percent of their internal trust and safety team. Well, Twitch just laid off another 35 percent of their overall staff. Are you at all concerned that Twitch doesn't have the capacity to tackle this issue meaningfully? Well, we've shown in the past that Twitch, you know, has already struggled for years to tackle tackle this issue meaningfully. And, you know, while the layoffs seem to be distributed across a number of different departments at the company, um, outsourcing this very challenging moderation effort is something that, you know, there are trust and safety professionals who are worried about, you know. Twitch in 2021 reported 6,600 instances of abuse to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children cyber tip line. And in 2022, that number over doubled to 14,500. And while some of that is definitely attributable to increased moderation efforts that are identifying more instances of abuse, it's definitely not outlandish to say that this is an issue that is becoming um, very very prominent and um, is getting a lot more attention from regulators. So where do you see this issue going ultimately? Uh, You know, do you think that websites like Twitch or YouTube or, you know, any of these sites that really facilitate live interaction, do do you see some sort of oversight or regulation having to step in to really make them take this issue seriously and substantially find answers to what's going on here? Yes, regulators have stepped in already. So the UK's Office of Communications, which is called Ofcom, has been in um, contact with Twitch over this issue since our report. Um, There's an e-commissioner of uh, digital safety in Australia that has also conducted several reports on Twitch's moderation practices. But while we're focused on Twitch right now, you know, I also just want to point out that what, you know, Twitch Twitch is a large platform that a lot of young people spend a lot of time on, but um, it's not alone in in this issue. Snapchat has many um, reports of abuse to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Omegle, which finally shut down last year, um, had I think six hundred thousand reports of abuse. Uh, um, 
to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You know, the the reason why I've been focused on Twitch in my reporting is because the live streaming component of it, paired with Twitch's um, very low age gate of 13 to access the platform, I think it makes it an issue that is relevant to a lot of um, young people, young gamers today. Cecilia Giannastasio, video game reporter for Bloomberg, has been our guest here on Culture Shifts One Update. Cecilia, thank you so much for your insight and for your reporting on this issue. I honestly think that this is one of the the biggest issues in all of gaming, and I'm, I'm glad you're there shining a spotlight on this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Cecilia D'Anastasio for a little bit of her time. That's it for today's Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back next week for even more video game news. Follow us on TikTok at Let's Play Gaming News and leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, and Amazon. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Blue Sky at Lloyd FFXI. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.